On today's episode of Dance Med Spotlight, I'm talking with Dr. Kristen Shelley. She is a dance medicine-focused physical therapist, owner of Delaware Dance PT. In this episode, we have the opportunity to get into PT mode and really talk about some of the myths and or misunderstandings that we often encounter within the dance community. We talk about things like the importance of strength training and what that actually looks like and the purpose it serves for dancers. How do we address flexibility concerns? What about dancers who are going through some of those growth phases? And it seems like they're, as like I like to say, in baby deer mode, trying to figure out how to control their body again, reestablish some of their flexibility that they had before. We talk about all of that and more, so make sure that you check out this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Dance Med Spotlight, where we talk about all things dance medicine and dance science. Today, I have a fellow physical therapist with me. I have Dr. Kristen Shelley. She is a physical therapist with Dance Medicine Focus and owner of Delaware Dance PT. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. First timer. (laughs) So the first question I always like to ask everybody on here is, what got you interested in working with dancers in the first place? Sure. Um, I'll start briefly and do my little story of PT because I feel like as like as physical therapists, it's always an interesting thing. Um, so I was a sophomore in high school. I was uh, taking like just basic A and P at the time, and my family was in a car accident. Um, and all of us, it was mainly like lots of broken bones basically, but we all broke our femurs, fun fact. Um, So you can tell like super high impact accident, but I was, you know, like in that trying to decide what I wanted to do and also super interested in that point and just like how the body worked. And it was like the only thing that really like super piqued my interest at the time. Um, And I had the unique experience of seeing PT in all of the different uh, specialties, you know, inpatient, Mm -hmm. outpatient, peds, all of those different things. And so um, it was kind of a, interesting experience at like such an impressionable time. And um, so then I, you know, just kind of set my mind to it at that point and went through. And luckily, I liked my classes in undergrad, and it all just kind of went straight forward from there. Um, but the dance aspect of it, I, I danced growing up, I was very much a recreational dancer, I dabbled a little bit in competitive dance, but ultimately, uh, just didn't love the commitment level once I got into high school, kind of faded out of that a bit. And then uh, I cheered in high school. And then it wasn't really until college when I started teaching again and when I taught dance and kind of connected that movement science, my exercise physiology at the time. And um, that was kind of the, the, the first connection for me and starting to put together mm-hmm. all the things that, you know, were missing from when I was in dance. And, um, and then obviously physical therapy school was a totally different experience in the sense, like you're really getting the meat and potatoes of, of everything and really going like, okay, they don't understand the dance community and the dance community doesn't have access to what it needs and the right, um, you know, kind of preventative and, um, and treatment with the right things in mind and just, you know, don't have the right access. So it was really like, okay, I've got to figure out how to dive into that. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, there are definitely some familiar pieces to your story for, you know, even my background on things too, and how I got involved in PT and getting involved in dance and all of that sort of thing as a PT. But yeah, I think 
the piece in particular that stands out to me is that the dance community doesn't necessarily have access to the people who truly know how to help them. Um, I, it's a story that I bring up a lot in these conversations, but when I was in PT school, I was on one of my clinical rotations with a therapist who was phenomenal at everything she did, but she was working with a 15 year old dancer after some hip injury and she got her back to like normal person, everything, but not ballet, everything. And she had even made custom orthotics for her point shoes. And I mean, all kinds of different things, but I came in as the timid little PT student going, I have some dance background. Can I try some stuff? And I was the one who was able to get her back where she needed to be compared to this phenomenal PT, right. like everything else. She right. just didn't know dance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so when I was in physical therapy school, you know, we have clinical rotations at the end. And I really wanted, the way my school broke them down, my, our last one was super long. It was 16 weeks. And I really wanted a dance medicine rotation, but it didn't exist in my program. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, they were like, you can, if you find one that'll take you, we'll do the paperwork. Like just, you know, go out in the hunt. So I found um, an outpatient sports and ortho clinic in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina and went down and they had a contract with Charlotte Ballet um, like two days a week, basically like little slots and preventative treatment and things like that. Um, so one, it was a really cool experience, but the really interesting part was that the, the dance medicine PT who started that whole program went out on maternity leave, like right before I got there. Mm. So they had, you know, again, a phenomenal PT that they brought in with a lot of experience, but she took took her place and all of a sudden she's my CI and she's, you know, trying to, to navigate this whole, whole new world. So it was kind of cool because I was like her translator. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we'd go in and, you know, it was really a team effort and, um, and you know, I just, there were strengths of mine and, you know, it was just like a really cool experience and very different than that typical like CI relationship. Um, so mm -hmm. I just, similarly, I thought it was such a cool experience to have at the end there. And that's just it. Sometimes it's more about having the translator than anything, because, you know, sometimes some of the stuff we're working on with our dancers isn't that different than what we would do with anybody else, but it's just knowing how it applies and, you know, maybe how to take it to an extreme sometimes because of the flexibility that's required, Absolutely. but, you know, just understanding what it is they really need. Yep. And as soon as you, as soon as you speak that language, even if even if it's not from the the, uh, the place of having danced before, but just a little bit. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, that, that humanality part, like there's there's a, a trust there um, too. And it really allows you to take that relationship a lot further. And, you know, I think it's a big reason why, you know, the dancers that I've danced or that I've treated for a long time, I've or that I've treated, I have treated for a long time, right? So they, they, that relationship were bonded, you know, in this, um, whether it was through an injury or just through education. I mean, there is just a, a, a better understanding and a better trust and that relationship goes a long way. Mm-hmm. 100%. I know with your practice with Delaware Dance PT, you do mobile services in people's homes and you also work out of the dance studio. Tell me a little bit about what that sort of looks like, because it's not a traditional, you know, you go to a clinic and see a PT. Sure. Um, so it, the originally why I did that um, was it, kind of the, the quickest and easiest way for me to start a practice. You know, I mean, the overhead obviously is 
so much lower. Um, so I didn't have to go out and rent a space and like really jump off the, um, off the ledge and just kind of hope everything went okay. I could kind of ease into it and do it a little bit as like a side hustle and, um, and just take clients here and there and still keep my full-time job. And then, um, you know, as that kind of morphed, I was able to, you know, back off of hours and take more on. Um, the other cool part is that it was during the pandemic, right? So we already were trying to navigate this super weird world and people weren't really comfortable going to medical facilities. Medical facilities were changing the way that they were taking patients. Um, there's already a kind of, I don't know, hesitation for dancers to go into a medical facility and say, Hey, I'm hurt. <laughs> would you, would you help me yeah. out? So they already don't want to go into the white box, let alone with the white box and the masks and the, you know, the whole thing. And so I think, um, that was also a really big piece of it to go to where they're comfortable and, um, and kind of meet them where they're at. So it was like an extra <laughs> benefit an extra bonus at the time. Um, but yeah, so the, the studio part is, uh, less often than people's homes. It's just that if there's a bonus studio or a bonus space, um, some of the studios by me just have like an extra room um, that they might use for music lessons or something additional that isn't full all the time, like a studio. Um, mm -hmm. And they might have the option to kind of say, hey, throw up your table in here and um, and see, you know, see dancers, especially some of their higher level, level dancers that are there five and six hour stretches and um, to get to an outpatient facility or to be at their house long enough for me to get to them um, really may not work out. So in that way, um, that has allowed a little bit more flexibility too. Um, mm -hmm. but otherwise in the studios, I'm doing more of like workshops and group things, um, and doing one-on-one -on -one treatments, um, like on site of people's houses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds like a nice mix of things. And like you said, being able to meet them where they're at and make it fit into their schedule, because that is mm -hmm. half the battle. It's <laughs> really interesting and really cool because, you have a deeper relationship to with the family itself. Like in, I mean, it's like an obvious thing now like when you say it out loud because you are, they're literally inviting you into their house, mm -hmm. but it was just another pro that I never really thought about until I was there and I was in the mix. Um, and so, you know, everyone's home environment is different. Everyone's space is different, but I mean, I was literally treating in a living room while they're doing homework and making dinner and, you know, doing all the things. And it was, a benefit to understand how that works and what that looks like and maybe what potential barriers they might have to doing exercises at home or to like, kind of know where the space that they're going to be doing things. in. you know, we were able to get creative and kind of go, Hey, this is what we've got. Like, let's use this and, um, and not have them buy a bunch of equipment, but just kind of get creative and, and use, use their space in, in, our, in the, the best way possible. So that was another really cool thing was to build the relationships with their parents and their siblings, but also to make sure that that was kind of setting them up for success in, um, at home. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I really like about being in the studio space also is whether, you know, I go a little bit early and just kind of check out the studio or like I still take dance classes. And so I'm in some of these studios just as a dancer myself, but being able to see what their space is like that they're practicing in, watch some of their classes. You know, some of the studios have the cameras in the rooms now with the screens out in the lobby area and being able to see, oh, this is how they're practicing some of these skills or, you know, are they, are they practicing safely 
in some of the things that they're doing? Or is this studio one where maybe they're pushing them a little bit more with a lot more acro and who knows what else that we might have to take into consideration. So kind of seeing them in the wild, I like to say. Oh yeah. Um, while yeah absolutely. And, and like also like picking up like the little things, you know, the culture um, in between like um, what they're doing before and after and during class or uh, during breaks and things like that. Um, it's nice to be able to go like, you know, what is your, your, you know, your warm up? Like, what do you do? And then to like actually know what they do and what they're doing individually. Um, and to be able to like, see what kind of space they have to work with, right? Like, is it a little hallway and that's what they have access to? Or do they have a small studio space that they have time to do things in? Um, mm -hmm. So it's also nice in that way to like the same way to kind of go, hey, you know, if you need to do your own individual warm up and mobility routine, like, you know, use this space and this wall and, you know, whatever yeah. and to help them out. Yeah. One thing I learned going back to dance myself, uh, like t taking a tap class. I grew up at a studio where we had wooden floors. It was before Marley was really a thing to have in studios and all of that kind of thing. So I grew up tapping on wood floors. And then I went into a studio that has Marley. And the difference of tapping on Marley versus not was yeah amazing. And the muscles, I was even taking classes at different studios that did or didn't have Marley at the same time. And the way my body felt after dancing tap on Marley versus on the ones that didn't, it was like, why are these muscles feeling so different? Even though I was doing the exact same thing. Totally. Mm -hmm. What, let's see. I know when any of us who are in the dance medicine space get together. There are things that we always like to talk about as far as things we wish people knew more about or understood better as dancers or dance educators in the community. One of them is definitely how we approach strength training or do we do mm -hmm. strength training? Mm -hmm. Um I know growing up, one of the concerns you would often hear from dancers is, oh, if you lift weights, you're going to get bulky. You shouldn't do that. But now we know through research that that is not the case. Mm -hmm. And there are ways that strength training can be a really great thing for our dancers. Mm -hmm. What have you found as you've been diving more into this with your dancers? So because I you know, was growing a practice, you know, from, from nothing, um, what that those workshops looked like, um, were strength and conditioning classes essentially. Um, so yes, I would educate in there, but I didn't want to bore them to death. And so, you know, it was a, it was a full hour or two, however much I was given, um, breaking it down and, and really doing a bunch of, of strength and mobility training. Um, and both of those things are kind of confusing for dancers, um, because, you know, mobility is, is, uh, you know, is more of the joints and then they're so concerned about flexibility and, um, and how it translates directly to extensions and, and splits and all those things. And, and so it's such a hard thing to all of a sudden speak a language to them where they just like, are like, ah. um, but in the strength space, uh, it is, you know, obviously we, we know that it's super important. Um, so I try and just use more verbiage, like, like lengthen um, and as we're doing squats and deadlifts and things and kind of tricking them using, um, you know, using different 
creative props and whatever um, is really talking about the length and the strength and the eccentrics and how that translates back to their bodies. Um, but yes, I mean, trying to debunk it, but not by, you know, doing this over and over again, but just kind of tricking them um, mm -hmm. to strengthen in ways that sort of look like movements that they're used to. Um, and, you know, and the, the ages that I'm working with, it's just working with kids and making it fun. And um, yes, there's, there are some dancers that are just innately intense and, you know, they're just, they just want to get in there and do it. But most of the time kids just, they were doing it because they want to have fun. Um, and they, ultimately want to, you know, get better at blank, blank and blank. And so it's just always redirecting it to their goals, making it, you know, loop back and important for them. And then on my side, I'm working on the protector joints, injury prevention side, and then just highlighting to them everything that it does technique enhancement wise. Mm -hmm. Going back to something that we talked about before, that whole idea of speaking their language and understanding what it is they're trying to accomplish and helping tie in the stuff that we know from anatomy and physiology and, and strength and conditioning principles and how that impacts what they're doing in their dance, in totally. their sport. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think that you hit on too is talking about the technique enhancement piece where it's like, you know, I think sometimes dancers are more inclined to incorporate some of the strength training stuff when it's in rehab phase, but it's still a little more challenging of, but hey, we can use this to improve your technique. We can use this to reduce risk of future injury. Totally. What have you seen with that? Yeah. And kind of that buy-in to, to bring it into their, their training as a whole and like make it part of their lifestyle. You know, I think that's the hardest piece is because if I'm the only one saying that to them and they see me as a specialist again in rehabbing a particular injury, you're right. It's going to kind of like, and kind of um, jump off at that point. So they have no more pain. They stop doing those exercises. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so part of it, I think is the education as you're as you're doing it. Um, so yes, this exercise is getting you stronger because, uh, you know, we're lacking it in, due to your particular injury, but this injury likely had lots of pieces before it happened. Right. So mm -hmm. if we would have done this way back and incorporated it and had, you know, kind of that cross training piece that, um, you know, the building blocks that our dance education is not super strong in, um, and we fill in the gaps there, we can absolutely prevent those injuries, um, or at least, you know, make them, make your body kind of ready for, um, ready for the rehab part, right? Like it can kind of jump in and we're not going, oh, wait, we've got to build this up first before we even address, you know, what you're looking to get back to. Um, so yeah, I would say it kind of starts from the jump and kind of uh, talking about each one of those ex those exercises as they're doing it and what it can help, you know, help with in their dance classes and mm -hmm. in their comp routines or, you know, whatever, um, whatever type of dancer you're working with. And um, that is, you know, sometimes more challenging than, than with other things. Um, but I think the, the more you can integrate it into their world, um, they can start to see the benefit of it. One of the things that I still always think is fascinating, but really hit me once I started seeing a larger volume of dancers consistently is the fact that we can see dancers do 
incredible things. Their leg up to here, jumping, you know, as tall as they are, uh, all sorts of crazy things. But then we actually get into some of the nitty gritty of how our specific muscles performing, how our specific joints actually contributing to a movement and how challenged some of those things can be. And so it's like, how can you do this movement that I just saw you do when yes. your muscles are performing like this? And so I think it can also make it easy for a dancer or a dance educator, a parent to kind of go, well, you're able to do these impressive things. You should be fine. Mm -hmm. When in fact, there are things that we could be working on to just take them up to that next notch. I, I had a, um, well, a couple dancers working with, but um, one in particular where the conversation with that ended up um, really hitting home when we started talking about like transitions. And so this particular dancer could, I mean, she can execute a bunch of skills, super bendy. Um, everything in her routines was like, you would have like a lot of like, whoa moments, you know, and it's, it's cool. Yes. Um, but we started to really break it down. And um, if there were something where she had three skills connected, there were wobbles and, you know, and all those different mm -hmm. things. And we started talking about it. And again, it was just hitting it where it, it, it you know, would help her the most and then where she was, you know, feeling the struggle. Um, but instead of, you know, trying to convince her that this was weak and, you know, and, showing her in different ways like testing different muscle groups and going like see she would just be like mm, you know and then all of a sudden when I was like okay we're gonna do this this and I want you to stop and change directions every time topple 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 you know so mm -hmm. it was like how about you go to do that next time and your body is right on and knows what to do and so when she started to see that and started to see the change I mean that buy-in was there um so it's kind of cool to see it in that way and and, and see how much you know, she has her own warm up and her own routine now, but when she gets to class and the things that she's kind of prioritized and her, you know, her studio does core strengthening, but there's, mm -hmm. um, you know, very specific muscle groups that, um, that they're working on. And so it's really cool for her to go, okay, I know I'm not working on A, B, and C. And, you know, that's the stuff that, that I, you know, is really going to help. So. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Another thing that I think sometimes is misunderstood from the dancer perspective is the idea of flexibility or control issues where it's like, oh, I can't get my splits. I can't get my extensions. And they're just stretching, stretching, stretching like mad. And it doesn't seem to change. Mm -hmm. what, what sorts of things have you noticed in the flexibility or mobility side of things? I think it's, um, I think it, well, also I have to say like, we didn't get this in physical therapy school, <laughs> you know, yeah, like exactly. this happened after the fact, you know? And so I also think back and, um, to my very, very expensive education, um, where <laughs> there, you know, there were really big holes in, in that as well. Um, and really like flexibility to improve flexibility, we were taught to statically stretch, right? Mm -hmm. And there was research in that and, you know, a certain amount, they focused on how much time was held and um, how much time, you know, were you really not doing anything anymore and all that. And so we understood from a certain, through a certain lens, um, how we could get more flexible. Mm -hmm. But um, with dancers, we have most of the flexibility tests, dancers are 
perfect or already there or whatever. So there's some, some other limitations where dancers kind of fall outside of the normal. Um, and so they're kind of like, oh, well, you got that flexibility. You're good there, you know, and it just doesn't translate into the skills that they, you know, are after um, or where their joint mobility kind of allows them to go. And so mm -hmm. there was another piece, there's another piece of it too, where, um, you know, it was kind of like, it was a little trial and error, a bit of like, what does that look like? And this dancer does, you know, have limitations in her ability, like one side versus the other in a split, for example, or whatever. And how do I get that to translate and carry over, right? So we could get yes. contract relax. I can get changes in that muscle quickly, but how does it carry over, right? How, what does that look like in the long term? And ultimately, um, we look at all around mobility, like for example, in the hip, you know, what does the end range look like? And do they have, or they have the ability to access it? Or is, are they really only accessing a certain part of that joint and really not able, not able to open up enough to access the, the flexibility that they have? I think mm -hmm. that's sometimes part of it. And the other part is that kind of like end range control, right? Do we have the strength in order to execute it? Um, can our, is our body afraid to even go there because it knows it can't really get up from there or it doesn't trust what's going to happen when it's in the extremes. Um, so yeah. I think from that perspective, um, sometimes explaining it and again, sometimes tricking. Um, but yeah, I have dancers all the time that say they want to improve their splits. And I think they think I'm going to give them 50 leg stretches. Um, but ultimately it's um, getting that, that control and getting their bodies to, be able to maintain a static position and then in different, you know, angles and different movements, being able to control it and having their body trust. Um, and then slowly, you know, building on that, adding, adding weight, adding resistance that's appropriate for, you know, what their bodies are going to be doing in their, in their activities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, what we know from the strength training side and whatnot, where it's like, you know, we train within the range, you're going to use it. If we're looking at a ballet class and say, you know, yes, we're using glutes and some of our different muscles of the hip and our quads during plies, for example, but that's not the same range of motion that we're needing for other, you know, an arabesque or something like that. And so we need to strength train in the different positions. And some of it might not look the way we think it's going to look. Um, but you know, it's, it's fun figuring out how to get these exercises to work for what we need them to work for, for our particularly flexible dancers. Absolutely. And how different, um, you know, different dancers are. So like that pre-adolescent or in adolescent age where their, their bodies are changing and, you know, their bones are growing and their, their muscles can't keep up and all that. So like, yes, they're, were super bendy or super flexible at a certain point and that might have helped them kind of flock to dance and then now all of a sudden their bodies are changing and they're sprouting and all these different things and they're frustrated because they're getting clumsier and their skills aren't as strong and they don't feel as capable but especially the thing that hits them the hardest is all of a sudden my flexibility you know went away or you know and all those things and so it's kind of 
talking about that protectiveness in their joints and, um, and what, you know, good stretch and bad stretch feels like and regaining that new range of motion and that new end range and what that looks like. Um, but I think it's like one of the most common things that I see. It's like, what happened? I'm, I'm training harder and my flexibility disappeared, you know? Um, so yeah, that's definitely a thing for (laughs) sure. Just the body, catching up to itself when it's going through some of those changes. And I've even seen like, I can't remember what, what article it was that I had pulled up, but there was something where there was even a suggestion that like, if a dancer has had a particular growth spurt and they're kind of in that point of like not being able to control themselves as well, being a bit clumsier, maybe having some flexibility or strength issues while their body's catching up, that maybe that's even a time where they back off of training, particularly on point, if they're dancing on point, to let their body catch up and they not have as much of a risk of being injured during that time while they're sort of like, you know, baby deer trying to walk around. And, And it was interesting finding that article where it's like, well, that totally makes sense, but I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. I've definitely had that awkward conversation (laughs) of kind of like, yeah, the put, you want to push to a certain extent, but, um, it's kind of where they're at the point of their training in certain studios, especially competitive studios. It's like when they're taking the maximum number of classes and they're, doing solos and duos and trios and you know it's like there's so many things and those end up being their own individual classes a lot of times as rehearsals right so there's so many more points of of contact um in in the studio and where that you know we know the injury risk goes up and they're getting more fatigued and are already kind of off and so things um in that way too it's like maybe this isn't the year that you you know, do pay a bunch of money in competition fees. (laughs) Like maybe this is the year that we do more of the group environment and we back off of it a little bit in that way too. Um, so that your body can kind of catch up and, um, Mm -hmm. that's when they put the most pressure on themselves in like solos, for example, to like show off this and that. And so if you're really fighting it, um, it's good for them mentally, socially, physically, like all of the things. Most definitely. And I think, you know, thinking of some dancers that I've worked with in the past where something has come up, whether it's their growth spurts and they're the in the baby deer phase or they are rehabbing from injury or something like that. And they've already committed to all of these competitions. A lot of, you know, some of them, they can submit something, some sort of like medical letter to try to get a refund or rolled over to next year or something like that. A lot of them don't allow for that. And so it's, you know, it, it becomes a stress point for them, for their teachers, for their parents of this was a lot of money and effort that we're putting into this. And now we're not going to be able to do it. And so sometimes I think that that puts the extra load on the dancers to be like, okay, I can suck it up. I can do this. Um, And that's an interesting thing to come up against too. It's a whole other layer. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. When you've got the what, what, no matter what the pressure is, but pressure from the outside, whether it's their, the other teachers, their, the, the aspect of the team or their parents or whatever, it's a, um, it's a very interesting complex layer, especially for like a kid, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and so injuries, I mean, injuries are injuries 
are never at a good time and never convenient. Um, but especially when, you know, there's the pressure and going into, or you're currently in, um, a competitive season because it just feels like so heavy to affect other people as well. Mm -hmm. I've definitely had some of those tough conversations with dancers and their parents thinking of the adolescent dancers where it also can sometimes be a thing of like, well, we could either try to push and get you through this as safely as possible, or you make the decision to back off of some of these things, maybe give up some of these opportunities that are coming up temporarily to get you in a really good position. So in the long run, you're in better shape. And, you know, especially when it's like older teens who are hoping to make this something professional for them. And they're starting to look at auditioning for summer intensives where they can get placed for the year and, you know, all of these different things that can be a tough conversation, but a really important one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like worth having, you know, I mean, ultimately it's their decision and, um, you know, it's going to be, we're going to be on the other side of it, you know, helping them either push on as safely as possible or be on that side of, Hey, this is a great opportunity for, you know, really filling in the gaps and getting stronger and having a different focus for a bit. Um, and really highlighting that it's not a waste of time. It's not a loss in time as far as their yeah. dance training goes. It's an opportunity to kind of focus on a different part of it. Um, and that can sometimes help. <laughs> um, and, and I've seen it, um, do some wonderful things, but it's a really hard thing to kind of see through that and see, get on the other side of it and not feel like it's this giant interruption. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit. So something, something that we do for this show is always put out a little questionnaire for guests to kind of think about some things that we might want to talk about and kind of plan ahead. And something that you put in there that, that I really like that I want to talk about a little bit more is don't wait until an injury to fall in love with strength or cross training. Start it now. Talk to me more about that. Okay. Um, I think too, because it, my, my love of this really, I think started before I ever got my physical therapy um, degree. It was really more from an analysis of movement and, um, and like a correction aspect. So that I could definitely recognize that as like an innate skill of mine. Um, and I say that because I taught dance and gymnastics. Now I was, I didn't get trained to teach dance or gymnastics. Um, and gymnastics, like, I mean, I, at some point could do a back handspring for a short period of my life. And that's the extent of my gymnastics training. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I, was in college I got a job at the little gym um which is like a developmentally um structured kids program and but they have um different like higher level gymnastics basically it's gymnastics without the competitive aspect of it so we had some pretty like high level gymnasts taking class and I was just in this weird time where again somebody left and they needed to train somebody and here I was yeah. and that is when I found myself like able to give corrections on skills that my body has never done or has never been through. And so it was a unique experience to kind of go, 
oh, it's just because I'm understanding the, the components that that skill needs. And this is what we can do, you know, to kind of correct it. And then when I was in physical therapy school, I understood the corrective exercise part of it, right? So it wasn't just giving corrections and getting that skill to be a little bit better every time. It was kind of getting on that, that front side of it and going, hey, if we work on A, B, and C, then the next time we go to execute that, your body has the ability to access it without just saying, you know, turn your head a little bit this way, rotate, you know, like engage yeah. your core. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. if we really like actually get those, um, those components there already, um, then, you know, we'll be able to execute that skill better. Um, and ultimately we execute that skill better. Um, our body is not just doing rep after rep after rep unsuccessfully. That's just more touch points again for injury. Now we actually have the access to it and the ability to do it, which reduces injury. Um, and so I think from that perspective, um, I have really liked being on the front side of the preventive, the preventative medicine and, um, the education piece of it, really doing a lot of like strength and conditioning, um, ongoing with dancers. So I have quite a few mm -hmm. people that it's like weekly work and, um, you know, I've created program after program and they still choose to have the one-on-one -on -one aspect of it because it's hard to stay motivated yourself. It's hard to, yeah. you know, to just to go down in your basement and do an hour worth of exercise. Um, and so from in that, you know, from that perspective, from a parental perspective, they're like, oh my gosh, if you can just do this for us, that would be great. Um, and so I really fell in love with, you know, really pushing them to, yeah, fall in love with it because if they can start seeing their skills get better and we're saying each exercise, this is going to help this, this is going to help this. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but this is going to help this. And then, you know, six weeks down the line, they're like, I got this and I was able to do this for the first time and I'm not falling out of my turns. And, you know, it's this really cool, you know, kind of almost, uh, immediate like feedback for them. Um, and that is like so rewarding to like, see them, you know, Again, not just do a skill a hundred million times, but really to um, to see the benefit of the strength part of things. Um, so yeah. I think if we could get that, especially like our younger dancers, to understand it, so that when they get more serious in their training, it's not this brand new concept, or it's not once we have a hip injury that we start paying attention to the mobility and um, and our movement patterns and things like that. Mm -hmm. I always love it when my dancers come in after they've been able to see some of the fruits of their labor of their exercise programs and things and just how excited they get about, oh, I got this comment from my teacher or, you know, right. usually I'm not the one who's getting pulled out to demonstrate something, but they, they called on me to demonstrate today or things like that. And yeah, it's just, it's so much fun getting to see their excitement as they're working on things. It really is. Cause like, you know, obviously like we got into this because we wanted to help people. Um, and I always said that, um, I thought about being an athletic trainer as well, but I really wanted to be on the side where like, I actually didn't just say like, Oh crap, you really injured yourself. It's like, I want to be on the side where I get them better. And mm -hmm. I do. Um, but after working in an you know, in a, in the grind for nine years in a busy outpatient clinic, I was kind of like, whoo, like, I'm not sure how much longer I want to do this. Like, this is a lot. Yeah. And so it was, you know, it became kind of discouraging after a little while because I genuinely still, you know, wanted to help people. And, um, and I still 
loved being a physical therapist. I love the investigative. I love the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the diagnosis and the treatment and figuring it all out. But at the same time, to have some splashes of, um, of again, like just preventative work where there isn't an injury. We're not necessarily dealing with pain. We're not having so much of that as a limitation. It's just a really nice and different way to kind of use our our degree and our specialty. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've had fun with too, kind of layering in there is some of my folks who are kind of more on that, you know, wellness or prevention side, not rehabbing anything is getting some one-on-one time to figure out how to execute some of the cues and feedback that they're getting in group classes. Like I have a dancer who she was saying, you know, my teacher always yells at me uh, about, you know, engage your core, engage your core. And she's like, but I, what does that actually mean? How do I actually do this? And, you know, she told me I tried different things, but I still always got that correction. And so we spent 20 minutes of one of our sessions, just kind of going through and saying, okay, here's this muscle. How do we engage this? Try this exercise now apply it to bar, you know, and, and some different things. And so like, that is one of the benefits that I've seen that again, I think people don't necessarily know that we as PTs or other dance medicine specialists can be utilized in ways like that. Totally. And that, yeah, like bridging the gap between the kind of that, that translator, that language of, you know, teacher to dancer, um, because, you know, they're not wrong in saying they're core. It's just this, you know, all this huge (laughs) complicated system that really like needs to be broken down. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that's awesome that you did that. Cause it's also like, we learn more about like how we pressurize, right? And so sometimes just like engaging isn't necessarily like what we're looking for. We mm-hmm. just need them to be able to both like contract and relax during different pieces of it in order for their body to, to you know, to execute what their teacher is asking. And so that can be very confusing when it's just like, we're just gripping, right? Like mm-hmm. they're probably like, squeezing their butt and you know, like the whole thing is just kind of like in total protection mode, um, yeah. which, you know, is going to be the opposite effect of what they want. It's like super discouraging. Mm-hmm. And I find even, you know, with some of that, where if they are in that mode, so same example where maybe they are engaging their core, but they're engaging like everything else at the same time to accomplish that it can lead to other problems with other movements that they're doing. It can be, you know, like I know I was always the dancer who just like didn't seem to breathe ever while I was dancing. And then at the end was dying because I was trying to catch my breath. And so it's like, oh, if I had actually known some of these very things to incorporate back then, I might have been able to breathe better. I'm just like, oh, like the things I know now, you know, and it like truly, I kind of felt like stuck at a certain point. And I think even though I was you know, on the competitive team for a short period of time, like I still was just kind of like, you know, it just, I knew I wasn't going to do it beyond high school. Um, But, and I think when I stopped kind of falling in love with like the social aspect of it is when I was kind of like, I'm going to get out of here. But it, you know, there was a physical limitation. I remember too, where I could, I kind of just felt stuck. And again, I could rep out and do, you know, you only get a certain number when you go across the floor and whatever, but it was like, mm-hmm. my jumps are, were never going to get better just going to class, you know, th- that one class once a week. And, 
and doing those jump combos that they asked me to do, it was just never going to happen. Um, and so it's so frustrating because if I, again, if I knew what I knew, know now, um, I, you know, I would have done my own work if it was, you know, truly important to me at the time. And I would have understood that, you know, my body didn't even have the strength to get me off the ground. Um, sure. I have the, the, you know, the mobility and the flexibility. If I could do that, I could show it off in the air, but it was like, it was like that, that power aspect just wasn't there. And I had no idea that that's what it took. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think from that perspective, that's the part where we're trying to get that buy-in from studios to really understand why it's so important. Like, and we drill the injury prevention part, but also it would really help with, you know, the psyche of their dancers, um, you know, what they're going to kind of get out of their, their more serious, higher, higher, higher level dancers. Um, if we can kind of get to some of those pieces that are just kind of like stagnant. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah. And it's another reason I created an online course called Slay the Stage. Um, and I like really put without overwhelming life, I really tried to just kind of start at some of those foundations that I just feel like I didn't have, you know, like the dynamic mm -hmm. stretching part of it, the how to properly warm up my body, because sometimes, you know, as dance instructors, we don't really have a whole lot of like jumping jacks just aren't going to cut it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so kind of starting from there and then like you know, kind of building up and having some of those foundations, the things that I am a broken record about, the things that um, I just didn't have stability wise, I when I wish I would have, and I wouldn't have rolled my ankle a hundred times. Um, it was really, it was like, I was writing this program for like little tiny me. I was like, I'm going to make sure that, yeah. um, you know, that anybody that gets this program is kind of like, okay, let me try it. Let me see where my, you know, my limitations are. And then really, you know, kind of dive in there and, um, you know, so that my body is more prepared for class. Mm -hmm. One of the things that is sort of coming to mind as you're, you're talking about this is also thinking, you know, a lot of times it's really easy to focus on perhaps some of the dancers who are on the competitive teams, the people who are wanting to make this into a profession, pursue it in college, whatever, sort of grander plans of what dance is going to be in their life. But we don't always have the same focus on some of our rec dancers. And, you know, they benefit from this stuff in just the same way to keep them safe. Maybe if it were kind of in, in our same experiences where it's like if we had been able to apply some of this stuff back then, maybe those rec dancers would feel more successful and then want to turn it into something more than, than doing it as something just for fun or something for physical activity, which is also great if that's where they want to be. But maybe it would open up some doors for some agree. of them yeah. if they got that foundation too. Yep. Yeah. I think there's just like, I remember that feeling of just like getting like stuck in a rut and really that's when the, the fun you know, you lose the fun aspect of it too, right? If you are constantly yeah. playing the comparison game every week and you really like can't see any improvement, you know, it's like you just are doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that, that monotonous, you know, um, pace is just going to be, you know, not motivating and, um, and really yeah. the fun out of it for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, at this point, I think it's a good opportunity for our special segment on the show.
So we have the final bow. Basically, this is your take-home message. People who've been listening or watching this episode have heard us talk about a lot of different things, but what is the one thing that you want them to walk away with? Um, well, I mean, you mentioned that your audience is, is a, a little bit varied, right? So I think for any um, dance medicine professional and, um, and physical therapist, I mean, I think it's kind of just to, you know, kind of keep pushing the envelope and get creative and, um, and just kind of, you know, meet, meet your audience where they are. I think when I started my business, I, um, I don't know, I, I just didn't know what to expect. And so it's been, um, it's been really cool to just kind of like lean in and kind of roll with it and do, um, do something I really never thought I would do with my degree. Um, and so, yeah, so from, from that way, I think I wish I would have had somebody push me a long time ago. Um, but it was a pandemic that did it this time. Um, but with, uh, with dancers or dance educators or dance parents or anybody, um, it really is that, uh, that perspective that strength training is really, really key. Um, and, it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, they're especially like with all the different resources out there, um, simple, basic strengthening exercises are really, you know, the key to giving your, your dancer the foundation to, um, to minimize their injury and really push them and get them to where they want to go. Um, it's not the fancy flashy exercises and the, you know, the crazy things that you're seeing on social media that really like catch your attention that are the most important. It really is the foundational stuff. Um, and I just truly believe if you can, can work that into your schedule and make it as important as all of the other classes on your schedule, um, that it really will benefit you. 100%. I echo everything you just said. <laughs> You. <laughs> um, so then last but not least, shameless plug time. So anything that you would like to promote for yourself, go for it. Okay. Um, I, well, I'm on social media. Um, my handle on everything is Delaware dance PT. Um, I got to name my business the way that people Google to find me. So that's super helpful. Um, but also I created an online course, like I said, called Slay the Stage. Um, essentially it is foundational stuff. Again, it's not super flashy exercises. Um, it is a kind of collection of um, videos. It's a self-paced course. It's, you have lifetime access to it. Um, my hope is that uh, you learn the you know proper way to warm up your body, also how to take care of it, self-care, self-massage techniques if something's feeling tweaky and weird. It also has a uh, video library broken down by um, body segment. So if your ankle's feeling a little tweaky, just kind of go through the exercises and see what kind of feels feels good, not so good on your body and kind of try those things. Um, so it's a little bit of like a self-analysis. Um, and that way it, you know, it's kind of a... a where you're, where you are in your dance year, kind of, um, a way to self-treat a bit, um, and understand your body a little bit better. And obviously if you're still having, you know, any pain or, or issues, um, then we really know that maybe we should get something looked at. Um, so that's why I created it. Cause I can't be all the places at all the times. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so it is out there and, um, you can find it through uh, my Instagram or my Facebook or my website. And um, I will also give you a promo code for anybody that listens to your podcast. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. So thank you, Kristen, for your time today. It was great chatting with you. And, you know, I think it's just so important for people, for dancers and folks in the dance community to know that people like us exist and we exist in various parts of the country and various parts of the world to know that they have some resources to help keep them healthy and safe as they continue on their dance journeys. Totally. Dance Med Spotlight is hosted and produced by Alyssa Arms. We discuss all things dance medicine. This has been another episode from Dance Med Spotlight. The Dance Med Spotlight is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present.